Well, good morning. For an exciting moment because I have not stood here since March 2020. <laughs> so it's quite exciting, but also a bit uh, kind of like, oh, will I be able to remember what to do? So we'll see, won't we? So as we said, we're in What is Church? And if you've got your Bible, um, you can open it at um, 1 Peter, and it's chapter 2. And we, as, as Andrew said last week, we're just doing like little bits at a time in Peter and Paul um, in their letters um, to look at these illustrations of what they uh, pictured church like. And today, as we've said already, it is living stones. Now... Obviously, when we think about stones, we might be thinking about, oh, no, have a little think, a really impressive stones. Just try and think now. So you might have thought of Stonehenge, although there are some questions about that at the moment, about whether they're going to keep it as like a world heritage site. Um, You might have thought pyramids. You could have thought the Great Wall of China, that obviously you can see from space. But when Peter thought impressive stones... Obviously, he would have thought of the temple. That would have been the most precious and important stones that he could think of. Of course, um, they were the second temple in Jerusalem, their second temple. Now, the important thing about that is that the first temple, if you uh, have looked at this story before, would have, uh, when it was dedicated, we have that picture where the Lord's presence descends on the temple and that the priests who are serving are unable to serve. They, they're literally, their knees buckle because the presence of God is pressing down. So physically has the Lord filled the temple. Now, the second temple that Peter's thinking of never experienced this. But they lived in expectation and the hope that God's presence would visit them again, as he did in that first temple. Now, of course, this is the second temple. And when does that happen? When Jesus comes, we see how um, the prophets, when Jesus is dedicated at the temple, rejoice that God's Messiah has come. We see Jesus refer to himself as the temple of the Lord. We see him also, we see in John's gospel where he says, the glory, the glory of the one and only We have seen it because the presence of God has come in the form of a man, Jesus, and he comes to his temple, his place. Now, he says he's greater than the temple. Um, He says uh, more than that, though. He is saying, my followers will become, like me, a dwelling place. For the presence of God. And um, obviously we see that now it, uh, he's going to, trans- going to transfer from being a physical presence place with the temple to a spiritual place. No longer a physical location, but uh, a spiritual entity, a living, vibrant, breathing, living stones. So let's read again verse 4 and 5 of First Peter, because I know for me, if I've read something once, forget it. 
I didn't actually listen. So let's go again with four and five, because that's what we are focusing on today. So first Peter chapter two, verse four and five. As you come to him, the living stone, and remember him, Jesus, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans. Remember, he's rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. And I talked a bit about that with the kids. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop there. So we're going to go with two verses. Okay, so we're going to think about what does it mean to be a living stone? Well, first, see in verse 4, it starts with, as you come to him. As you come to him, the living stone. And this, as you come to him, you'll notice in Peter's version, actually I picked up on it, it says that you're coming because it's not come, it's coming. And Peter sees it as a continual coming uh, again and again to encounter him as you come to him. Peter expects this to be continual more than once. Um, and why? Well, remember last week, verse 3, it says, he said, crave pure spiritual milk. And um, Andrew talks about us craving. I was thinking about this. It's like a drug, isn't it? As you taste and see that the Lord is good, you want to come again and again. And we no longer come to a dead brick. Imagine I've got one here, just one dead brick. We don't come to a stone-cold altar, but we come to a living and breathing person Jesus. And as we come, it says we are made alive. If you flick back to chapter 1, verse 23, Peter says, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. It's not temporary anymore. It's not like when we're first born, this is an eternal birth, a spiritual birth as we come and are born by the word or the logos, Jesus. And he reminds us, Jesus was rejected and so many still reject him today. But it is really clear that we cannot be spiritually alive and therefore have our deepest need met unless we come to the living stone. So, first we must come. Secondly, we see a living stone's purpose is, verse 5, to be built into a spiritual house. A spiritual house. So, the temple was a home for God's presence. It was where he would dwell amongst his people. Hear his voice share space with the divine, and a place of offerings as well. Remember all those offerings that would have taken place. And here, Peter's picking up on that reality of a spiritual temple that Jesus predicted. 
He and the disciples, remember, would have experienced at Pentecost that filling, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells. And it's no longer temporary, but it's permanent. And they experience this communion and friendship with God permanently. It is a permanent coming because God is with us permanently. And the sacrifices can take place all the time. We don't need to go to a special place. They are continually as we come to him. And we can be in his presence and not perish because of what Jesus has done. Every second, we can be reminded that God dwells in us who come to him. And how is that possible? Because of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And as I was thinking about this week, I was thinking, you know, how much do I dwell on the fact that I am a temple? That God is present with me all the time. I can often feel, oh, I'm not sure I feel God much today. And yet the word tells me he is present by the Holy Spirit in me. That is pretty awesome that I'm not struck dead on the spot. Reminds me every second of Jesus' sacrifice. And we'll remember that in a minute when we share communion. And of course, we know that the temple was dedicated. It was set aside. It was made holy and different. And I don't know about you, but I don't often feel that, that I'm holy and different. I'm messing up. And of course, then we see this truth that we see throughout the word of this sense of now and not yet, that we are made holy by Christ's sacrifice. We are acceptable. He is dwelling with us. But there's also that sense that we are not yet holy. We are being made. It's almost like we're catching up with the truth of what God thinks about us. And I think about this, sometimes, you know, we can think, oh, I don't know why God would want me, I'm a bit of a mess. But then I thought about how, you know, when God, when, um, yeah, when Rob and I were going to look for a house, we looked at lots of different houses. We looked at ones that were really run down, some, you know, had structural problems, a couple didn't even have a floor, and we decided that was too much for us. We couldn't take on that sort of house. Uh, because circumstances, we weren't ready. But I think we can be reminded that God can take us on. We could be the most dilapidated, messed, neglected, wrecked house, and yet God sees us of what we could be. He has in his mind the beauty of what we could be, and he takes us on. He always takes us on. So Peter says, you like living stones are being built into a house. It is as we come that we're changed. God sees that intended restoration project of what he intended us to be. And he moves right in. So what do we know so far? Firstly, we know that to be a living stone is to come to the living stone. We know that our purpose is to be a spiritual house. And we see that the process is one of coming and becoming. Those two go hand in hand, the coming and becoming. It's a spiral. 
And earlier in chapter 1, Peter gives us the goal is that we be holy as I am holy. The goal is that we become like Jesus. We become the people we were intended to be. And this isn't just an individual thing. I think often for us in the West, we struggle with this because we don't live in tribes anymore. We don't all looking out for each other because we might get attacked any minute. We're not like raising our kids all together. We're not, um, we're not even in family groups anymore that all put their money in one pot and work together and help each other. We're all incredibly individualistic. But that's not the message we get here. It's a community. It's a you as a plural. Uh, A brick on its own, if I held up a brick now, it's not a house. We all know that. And yet somehow we think as church, we can be a brick on our own. We are together meant to reflect his glory and be a dwelling place for God. And I don't fully understand this because there is that individual sense that we can't, we have to come to Jesus alone. We do. But then there is also the other side that Jesus says, when two or three are gathered, I am with them. There is that sense. And I know that I experience that when I'm here with you guys in a different way to when I'm at home on my sofa. And that's not that, um, You cannot experience God. We all know that it's those moments when we are alone that we often have some very profound moments when the Spirit of God is there. They can be real turning points, can't they? If we go on retreat, for example, or if we withdraw and say, I'm going to pray, I don't want distractions. But I also know that I've also encountered the presence of God in large gatherings, And last week, even here, there was such a sense of God's presence. And it's interesting that Peter and me were chatting. I went out with the kids and he was out the front. And yet he said he felt the presence of God, even watching it on the screen. And I said, well, it's interesting because later I went and heard the talk and I was in my bedroom And in the response songs, I felt the presence of God. Now, I can't explain that, but I do know there is something very special when the people, the living stones of God, come together. And what is this temple to do? Let's go on. It says, offer spiritual sacrifices. These living stones will offer spiritual sacrifices. And I looked up the definition, lots of like sacrificing for someone, da, da, da. But I found this, and it just said, to give up something for something else, considered more important. To give up something for something else, considered more important. And I was thinking, it made me think, I love this quote, and I wrote it in Rob's Bible when I first met him. And it's from Jim Elliot, and it says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And that has been a life kind of verse for me. You know, to, you're not a fool to give up what you can lose to gain what you cannot lose. And as we come to him continually as living scones scattered in the world and gathered in community, we bring offerings, sacrificial offerings, spiritual offerings 
Now, that's hard to get your head around, isn't it? What does a spiritual offering look like to you? What does it mean to sacrificially offer something to God? And I was thinking, you know, even coming here this morning or putting aside time at home is a sacrifice of time. You could be doing something else, but you've sacrificed time. You've come. We sacrifice our wills when we come and listen to his word and say, that is what I'm going to choose to do. We sacrifice our position in the world as we come to worship Jesus. As we honor him, we sing about who he is. He is elevated and we are lowered. We sacrifice our status a spiritual offering to God. And when we serve one another, we sacrifice our status again. We say, I will serve you. I will consider you worth serving because I want to worship God through what I give to you. And that might be through a project, but that could be here on a Sunday. Sacrificing time to be here early and welcome people sacrificing, um, you know, sacrificing that extra bit in bed, sacrificing being in the service to say, I will take your children. I want to release you to be in the service today. What a sacrifice. Sacrificing your finances to say, God, this money you've given me, I just want to give it back to you. I sacrifice it in my finances when I give to this community, when I give to projects, when I give to charity, when I say it's not mine. It can be a sacrifice. We can sacrifice um, uh, lots of other things. And I, I want you to ever just think, you know, what can you sacrifice to bless God? to bless others, to bless the world. And as we do this, we are coming to him. Because if you think of the temple, they don't just come, yes, to be in the presence, yes, to hear, but they come to give of themselves. They come to bring a sacrifice. And it's easy for us to slip into, I like the first bit. I like the come and hear. I like the come and experience the presence. I don't want to sacrifice. And I know that we're in a church that is amazing at giving. Absolutely amazing. When I talk about the pandemic with other leaders, often I'll hear, no one helped. No one. I couldn't get a single musician to help me. Not one person. And it was left with the vicar. And that was it. Did we see that as a community? No, not at all. And it makes me want to weep because that is the beauty of the living stones of Portsford Church that they gave their time and continue to give their time now as a sacrifice of praise is brought. Paul writes in Philippians, 
What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things, but I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. That I may gain Christ. And I remember hearing this really young. You cannot outgive God. Have you ever heard that? You cannot outgive God. And I think we often think that that's about money. I don't think it is. I think it's about this spiritual sacrifice, whatever that looks like for us, that we are giving to God and saying, my time, my finances, my gifts, my abilities, my hands, my whatever needs doing, God, I'm here. I don't have to have the best job, just I want to serve you. We cannot outgive God because as we come to him, we are being built. We are being transformed. And that's not just about hearing or soaking. There is the sacrifice too, a sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice. In Romans chapter 12, a familiar verse, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The whole, Peter's, um, Paul here was talking about the whole of us. He was referring back to, imagine uh, in the sacrificial times, there would be the burnt offering. And in the burnt offering, everything would be given. You couldn't eat any of it. You couldn't share it. It wasn't like, I'm offering this and then we have a nice meal with God. Nothing was kept. It was utterly consumed. And that's what Paul's speaking about there. Offer your body, everything, 100% as a living sacrifice. So, what does it say? As you come to him, we must come to him, the living stone. You, like living stones, that's us, are being built. As we are coming, we are being built into a spiritual house. Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices. Let's pause for a minute. And I'm just going to give you a few minutes and a few minutes if you're at home today. What does that look like for you? Let's just be quiet for a minute. Lord Jesus, I thank you that uh, we can come to you just as we are. We don't have to clean ourselves up first or make sure the walls are fixed. You just take us on because you see the beauty of what we'll become. Help us to remember that in coming to you, we cannot outgive you.
We bring before you, God, those things that we at the moment are bringing as a spiritual sacrifice to you. And right now, God, help us to know if there is anything, anything at all that we can do for you. Because we cannot outgive you.